Hello there, groovy listeners. Have you ever heard of the Village People? Did you know they made a movie? Never seen Can't Stop the Music? Then you're in luck. Listeners, this week we have for you a movie with the Village People, a movie with Steve Gutenberg. Oh yeah, young Steve Gutenberg. Listeners, there's one place you can go, a podcast. Yeah, that type of show we're gonna talk about. A film that you may find is a way to have a good time. Can't stop the music this week. This was a thing. Can't stop the music this week. This was a thing. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we are looking at the movie Can't Stop the Music, starring those legends of film, The Village People. This was a thing because it marked the beginning of the end of disco, the producing career of golden boy Alan Carr, and gave birth to a whole new way of honoring bad movies. Now, I love disco. I do, but I don't dance. What? Wait, wait, you can't love disco and not dance. No, I, well, I mean, I can bop. I see. If I was in the seventies, I think I, if I did go to a discotheque, I'd be the guy standing in the back wall with my tab on the rocks, just going like, "Man, this new Donna Summer is really good." Do you know people who still call them discotheques? Um, no. You just met one because <laughs> I still call them discotheques. Well, of course you do. And I get mercilessly made fun of because of it. So one time a friend was like, let's go dancing. I'm like, yeah, are there any good discotheques around here? And they're like, they're like, you're either 400 years old or you're from Tel Aviv. (laughs) (laughs) So I even have Studio 54 on my presets, on my Sirius in my car. Uh So I love disco. What's your favorite disco song? I mean, I honestly, that's why I kind of chose this. I love the village people. Village people get it, get me going. And I know they're so campy and ridiculous, but that's why I love it. Like there's so many hits more than any other like really disco people out there. You know, Donna Summer had a lot or, you know, like, uh, you know, tons of disco. (laughs) You don't know any, you know, village people. Casey and the Sunshine Band. I love Cool in the Gang. Cool in the Gang is another one of my favorite Here's the thing. I love disco, but it's not like I'm going like, oh, I need to go get this album. I wasn't alive during it, but like it was on. I love the Bee Gees. Oh, my God. How did I forget the Bee Gees? So I chose to cover this because I'd never seen it before. And now I had an excuse to watch it. Spoiler alert. I loved it. You do realize that it's consistently named one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah, and that I wanted to see why, if it was as bad as they said, and I love it. I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Mr. Hebel. I love the film as well. 
I really don't understand why people look at things like Can't Stop the Music or Mamma Mia and go, oh, this movie is so bad. I can't believe it's so bad. It's the village people. Yeah. What did you expect? Exactly. Like, what are you expecting? Like, this is going to be some great moving emotional experience? It's the village people. They are having so much fun in this fucking movie. And you have fun because they're having fun. Exactly. And they all go, yeah, we know this is stupid and silly. And we all buy into that concept. So all these fucking critics, like, did Siskel and Ebert review this movie? Don't worry. We'll definitely go into Siskel and Ebert's Dog of the Year. Oh. So let me just get into really quickly Village People Formation. So they started by Jacques Morelli, was a French musical producer. And then in him and his business partner, they were making songs in Paris. And then they were successful and moved to New York in 1977. A singer went to him named Victor Willis, and they hired him to be a backup singer. Then Victor Willis agreed to sing on the debut album Village People. So while in New York, Morelli... Uh, attended a costume ball at Le Mouche, a gay disco in Greenwich Village. As he gazed around the room, he was impressed by all the macho men stereotypes portrayed by the party guests. So the idea came to him to put together a group of singers and dancers and each one playing a different gay fantasy figure. And the village people signed to Casablanca Records, and it was on. Although, here's the thing. Victor Willis was the only village person at the time when the album was released. So, hits like San Francisco, You've Got Me, I'm Hollywood, Everyone's a Star. It's just Victor Willis and then just studio singers. So, it's really village person. Yes, at this point, it's just village person. But then, Dick Clark offers them to be on American Bandstand, and so they're like, well, shit, we have to make a group. So they put out an ad in music trade paper saying macho singers who could also dance and must have a mustache. This is, okay, who applied for this? This is this sounds like you're coming into porn. Well, let me tell you, he quickly built a group of singers and dancers to back up Willis. There's Felipe Rose. He claims indigenous American descent. So he was found in the gay bar, the Anvil, and he was dancing in his Native American garb. Alex Breely, who initially was in nondescript costumes, ended up being the GI. We got Mark Musler as construction worker, Glenn Hughes as Leatherman, but then David Hodo came in as the new construction worker, and I love David Hodo. And then finally rounding it out, Randy Jones as the cowboy. Can I ask a really stupid question? Yeah. When they came into these auditions, did they come dressed as these characters, or did they come in their regular clothes, and he's like, that, that's a GI. Well, they I, they had different, but like Leatherman was known as dressing as a leather daddy he would go to club he would go there was this club in the 70s called the mother load and it was an snm bdsm just as your resident gay person may i throw in one more Please. thing if I may. all of those like leather clubs which were very very intense all closed down when aids happened before that though and i'm sure we will cover this on this show at some point the al pacino movie cruising the bars are featured actually yeah. in cruising the real bars. So I'm well, I'm glad no, I'm glad you said that because it sets up it's just a funny behind the scenes story later, but it involves cruising. Oh. So there were hundreds of guys who answered the Macho Mustache Man ad. And their first hit single was Macho Man. And it catapulted the group into mainstream success, 1978. Hey, hey, hey. Macho. Oh, 
You're sexy. You know, I sweat a lot, and I wear my shirt sometimes buttoned-downed a lot, and I feel like I totally would have fit in in the 70s in the sense that everyone was just so sweaty, and they had to just let their skin breathe. If I walk down the street showing my chest hair nowadays, they're like, look at this guy. Same. I have a really hairy chest, and I'm embarrassed by it, but if I was in the 70s, I would be like a king. Don't be embarrassed by it. You gotta show it off, baby. Their follow-up hit was YMCA, and that became, honestly, you know, one of the most popular songs of all time. So, they peaked in 1979, there was a three-month North American tour, a bunch of TV appearances, and even USO shows with Mr. Bob Hope. (laughs) So, at the peak of the Village People's success, the original Village person, the one and only Victor Willis, left the group. Wait, who was Victor Willis? again which which one was he victor willis was the cop the cop so the cop victor willis originally he left the group in the middle of a film production their film production why did the cop leave the group they were having you know kind of headbutting and he wanted to kind of do his own thing and he was hot so he wanted to do his own solo sure, act sure he ended up coming back to the group in like the 80s so <laughs> yeah so okay. so let's get into can't stop the music so film producer alan carr a favorite of mine and rob's if you've never seen the documentary on alan carr the fabulous alan carr it is wonderful and then also there's a ton of great outtakes from it on youtube that talk about behind the scenes in this and there's just too many for me to even pull he seemed like something mr car oh mike it is it is such a good if you love behind the scenes documentaries you have to watch the fabulous alan car so he just came off a huge success of bringing grease from stage to f- screen budget was six million and like over time it ended up making 366 million so after grease his next project was going to be titled disco land where the music never ends and this ended up becoming can't stop the music he described it as a fictionalized account of the formation of the village people. What are, wait, first of all, I love the title Disco Land. Where the music never ends, right? Well, here's the thing. I forgot to mention at the top, Jacques Mrelli and his partner, their music company is Can't Stop Music Productions. So his company was called Can't Stop Music, and Alan Carr was like, here's my genius idea. Add the... <laughs> Exactly. And welcome to producing in the late 70s in Hollywood. (laughs) Producing 101. So to direct the film, do you know who they brought on to direct this movie? I do indeed, and I think it's the most fascinating thing ever. I think it is amazing. So Nancy Walker was brought on to be the director. Nancy Walker played Rhoda's mom, Ida Morgenstern on Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda, and she was a client of Alan Carr's. So folks, Nancy Walker was a Broadway comedian. She was about like four foot two. tough little New York woman. I believe when she did Can't Stop the Music, she had never directed anything before. Is that correct? She'd done a couple episodes of Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda, but she'd never really done a film. She hadn't directed a movie! After this, Nancy Walker never directed again. So I'm she went shocked. back to acting. I'm shocked. So originally, Bruce Valanche was hired to write the script. I love Bruce, Bruce Valanche! So after writing four drafts, he asked for more money and was fired, and Alan Carr said, he wants more money, I'm giving him the break of his life! There's more than one draft of this film? There was four drafts. First of all, there was a script to this film? Exactly. So the script ended up being finished by Carr and Bronte Woodward, and they'd written script for Grease together, so... Oh, okay. Yeah. Can you, like, in a nutshell explain what is the plot? The plot is a young, up-and-coming Steve Gutenberg plays... A, a music producer and writer, and he's trying to get his big break, and so he has to form a group of uh, performers to make a song, and 
at the end of the show, at the end of the movie, they have a big performance to culminate everything. So it's like an a Marvel comic origin story. Yeah. So it's Marvel meets Mickey and Judy. Yeah. I'm actually in for this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Wait till you see what happens in Leatherman Three. Leatherman has now just been added to the Marvel comic universe. <laughs> What's your special? What do they call them? Skills, traits, powers. <laughs> Rob, you are such a nerd. You should know this. What are their, pa- their powers? Power, powers is good. I will say I do want you to start writing like a, a superhero world where instead of powers, it's their traits. <laughs> What's your super trait? I uh, trust people. <laughs> I try to see a silver lining in every situation. <laughs> Kevin Feige's really letting himself go. So <clears throat> they cast Valerie Perrine as his love interest, Sam, and Olivia Newton-John was originally up for it, but she turned this film down for... Xanadu. Exactly. So Caitlyn Jenner made her acting debut in this film, and we will be referring to her as she, her, but we will be referring to her character, Ron White, as he, him. So she made her triumphant debut, and she had just gotten a worldwide recognition for setting three world records in the decathlon at the 1976 Olympic Games. And so she was huge, everything in America. So she plays Ron White, an uptight lawyer who ends up changing the way he thinks about people. Thanks to the village people. And he also helps find their rehearsal space, the YMCA. <laughs> this is so brilliant. She comes in. I got, I know where we're going to rehearse. I know exactly where we're going to rehearse. Where? Can you explain the gay porn that shows up in the middle of Can't Stop the Music that accompanies YMCA? So there are flip-flops, rope climbs, nude men in the shower, snapping each other with towels. There's Caitlyn Jenner dunking a ball, gymnastics. There's dance boxing. Yes, dance boxing. This is gay porn. It was also the first R-rated movie to feature full frontal male nudity because in the shower you see a dong a dong 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 you do see dong in it. and also there's a scene where the village people are in a hot tub with valerie perrine and she's topless she's just nude having a great time yeah just boobs bouncing i have never seen a woman in a ymc i haven't gone to a lot but i've never seen one that looked that excited to be surrounded by men and i'll say this the only ymcas i've ever been to had like a half set of dumbbells and the rope climb that was cut from the ceiling. So this is an amazing fucking place. Wait a minute. You don't see any village people dong, do you? No. Who do you think had the biggest dong in the village people? Well, I will tell you the one who likes to at least try to show you is Leatherman because he just wears chaps and those dungarees in the middle of those chaps, those jean dungarees, holy cock. My money is on the cop. You think? I think so. Okay. Okay, so the, it was filmed in 11 weeks in New York, San Francisco, and L.A. 11 weeks, not 11 hours. No. Okay. And this goes back to your cruising. So they were filming oh. adjacent to cruising, and there were gay protests and activists over the movie, cruising. So they were often mistaken for each other. And so there would be gay protests that can't stop the music. The most gay movie ever. The pro-gay movie ever. And so Nancy Walker would go up and tell people, no, 
Cruising's over there. This is the wrong film. This old Yenta. Yeah. Go over there. We're trying to help you queer people. Yeah. Folks, and if you've never seen Cruising, just so you know what we're talking about, Cruising was this movie that starred Al Pacino, where he plays a straight police officer that goes undercover to the seedy gay world to find a serial killer. We're going to, I know we're going to talk about Cruising in one of these episodes, but. If you don't know what it is, that's the what film it is. or going. Uh, both. Nancy Walker didn't get along with Valerie Perrine so much that they couldn't even be in the room together, and she let the cinematographer direct any scenes with Valerie Perrine. And here's another fact: Alan Carr decided to direct and take a very hands-on approach to the YMCA scene. So Alan Carr was like, "Nancy, I got this. You're gonna take a day off. They need you back at Rhoda." I did all the storyboards. They're actually photos that I took. Is that Paul Lind? No, Nancy. No, Nancy. It's a stand-in. Another favorite of mine is the milkshake number. Do the milkshake. Do the shake. Do the shake. So let me just set it up a little bit. So it's 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 essentially. Valerie Perrine plays a model, and this is going to be like her big last hurrah so she can help fund the big scene at the end, the big concert. So she's going to be the spokesman for models. or for So she's going to be the spokesperson for milk. A milk company or milk in general? Milk in general, Thank it you. seems like. Yeah, it seems like this is just for milk in general. So it starts off with Valerie Perrine and, you know, a, a kitchen, and then six little boys come in. And they're all dressed as the village people. Yes, there was a leather boy. A leather boy in the chain chest garb that Leather Man was wearing at the very beginning. What do you think the call sheet was for looking for Leather Boy? Looking for Macho Boy? Looking for Macho Toddlers. (laughs) Yes. You know what's probably true in the 70s? It probably Is your baby sexy and macho? Well, come on down to Astoria Kaufman (laughs) Studio. Yeah, yeah, I guess there had to have totally been like that baby agent. (laughs) Well, let me just play you a little bit of Milkshake. For the people who have never seen what the milkshake number, can you sort of describe what this thing looks like? There's a big dance number, so just imagine all the village people in their normal outfits, but in milky white. And they're just all sequins, and Valerie Perrine is just dancing around. There's giant metal milkshakes. There's also balloon arches that look straight out of the high school rallies that I had. So that was really awesome to see. It kind of brought me back. And then let me just tell you, my all-time favorite in the movie is the Leatherman's moving rendition of Danny Boy in full Leather Daddy garb. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling from glen to glen and down the mountainside. The summer's gone and all the roses falling. Tis you, tis you must go and I must buy. The leather band is literally dressed as a leather man, standing on top of a piano. Not sitting on a piano, no. not near a piano, standing on, on top, top of a piano, piano, singing the Irish song, Danny, Danny Boy. Boy. So another favorite 
Leatherman moment of mine because this thing is just full of gay innuendos. Innuendos? I thought those were Italian suppositories. <laughs> right before the big show, Leatherman is so nervous he's banging his head on the wall and he goes, Leatherman don't get nervous. Leatherman don't get nervous. And the GI walks up behind him and goes, Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> Hey friends, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh, look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay. Head on over to your podcast app, click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner, click Go to Show, scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us, head on over to Patreon.com and send us some money, and in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless okay okay that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com search this was a thing and help us out but you know what you've already helped us out today by listening to us and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that so thank you thank you my absolute favorite is the closing number. This mo- this song is just so good. It is so good. I think it's one of the Village People's best songs, and it's called Can't Stop the Music. It is so good, and I wrote down beat by beat all the entrances because I just think they are so good. So let me just tell you, let me just go ahead and start. Enter first, cowboy dressed in all red, sparkling cowboy outfit. An outfit Gary Cooper would be proud to own. Shirt open to his belly button, he enters backwards through the saloon doors, turns, throws both guns in the air, bang, bang! I sure hope no lights got damaged. Next, emerging from a teepee, a Native American, wearing a headdress filled with pink feathers. He does a high kick into a double pirouette. His pink Native American breastplate is tied very tightly, able to withstand the power of his turns. Then all of a sudden, what do I hear? A siren? Oh good, the cops came to shut this down because people are having such a good time. Holy crap, the motorcycle cop. He rolled his motorcycle right onto the stage. Oh wait, that's a village person. Should have known by the sparkles and the peach-colored police uniform. Wait, is that the Leatherman entering on another motorcycle from the other side of the stage? Oh my god, I hope they don't have a collision. This seems very unsafe, but it's the village people. They have to be safe. Leatherman, dressed in leather. Vroom, vroom, motorcycle. Vroom. Holy shit, the army guy just drove a fucking Jeep onto the stage. How big is this stage? Is it standard for people in the army to wear sparkles on their uniform? This seems like a bad idea, but you know, what do I know? Oh my god, now the construction worker is driving on the stage on a mini tractor. The lights hit the hard hat like a brand new disco ball that is about to break ground on a skyscraper. Also, I didn't know the construction worker was doing farm construction, but good for him. You know, work is work. Laser lights, backlight, village people on lights, crowd is having the time of their lives, and go! You can't stop the music. 
Okay, can't stop the music. Boom. So, the film gets released June 20th, 1980, and it is a bomb. Unfortunately for Alan Carr, the music genre he was banking on to make this film disco, it was dying. Did he think it was going to bring disco back? Or did he think disco was still a thing? Well, here's the thing. It was always going to be called disco, where the music never ends until... The music ended? (laughs) Disco Demolition Night. Now, if you don't know what Disco Demolition Night is, do you know what that is? No. So, it was an event put on by a radio rock DJ at Kaminsky Park in Chicago, and a crate of disco records was exploded on the field. They blew up the albums? Yes, in between a double header. So, a rock DJ who hated disco told fans, come to, come to Kaminsky Park, bring a disco album in between the double headers, we're going to blow up the disco. So everyone came to see a, a game between the White Sox and the Lions. Fans end up rushing the field then. There was a riot and the field was destroyed. <laughs> the second game had to be forfeited by the White Sox. This even made headlines and helped start people admitting they did not like disco. And I think that's a travesty because disco is life. But that that was the big thing that started people going like, well, maybe I don't like disco. Like, they're willing to blow it up. I picture it kind of being like that scene from Dead Poets Society where the kids all stand up on the desk one by one. Oh, captain, my captain. <laughs> and it's just that with disco. <laughs> oh, disco. Oh, shitty disco. Oh, Donna Summer, my Donna. So disco is trending down, and the film was a major, like, it just bomb, like I said. It only brought in a tenth of its $20 million budget. So think about that. Grease was $6 million budget, and this was $20 million budget, and then it only brought in $2 million. The good thing is, is that in 1980, disco was getting huge in Australia. So this was actually a huge success. And another fun thing, in America, there was a Baskin-Robbins flavor ice cream that was a promotional tie-in. I don't want to know. It was called Can't Stop the Nuts. It was called Can't, Can't Stop, Stop the, the Nuts. Nuts. Can't Stop the Music got negative, awful reviews. It now has a 7% score on Rotten Tomatoes. New York Times said it was thoroughly homogenized. Variety uh, felt... Likewise, writing the village people along with ex-Olympian decathlon champion Caitlyn Jenner have a long way to go in the acting stakes. Hard disagree. Neil Minow of Yahoo Movies, who was huge in 1980, said this is an absolute train wreck of a movie, but said it has some hilariously campy moments. And then Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert selected the film to be one of their dogs of the year in 1980 in their episode of Sneak Previews. At least some of the dogs of the, of the year you hardly ever hear about. And Folks, for example, was a movie like that because it did very little business at the box office. But other dogs are incredibly heavily publicized, mm-hmm. and when they collapse, it sends ripples all through the movie industry. One movie like that in 1980 was Can't Stop the Music, an original musical with an idiotic story which starred the singing group The Village People. Well, they advertised this as the entertainment explosion of the year, and it was a bomb, all right. <laughs> Can't Stop the Music is a musical that couldn't seem to start the music. Well, I think the problem in the film industry that this film uh, is an example of is the pre-sold package. The guy uh-huh. who made this film, Alan Carr, took Grease a few years ago, an established package on Broadway, and made it a movie, smash hit. Mm-hmm. But Grease had a story already established. Mm-hmm. He tried to do it again, take a music group, the village people, mm-hmm. put them in a movie, forgot the script. Wh- movie, these are narrative movies. They need stories and- that make us want to watch the characters. 
because of this film, the Golden Raspberry Awards, or the Razzies, were created in 1980. Did you know that? No. So you're saying that this movie was so bad. Yes. So what happened? So a publicist named John J.B. Wilson, he would always have potluck parties at his home in Hollywood the night of the Oscars. And then in 1981, he actually invited his friends to stay and give a random award presentations in his living room. And then Wilson decided to hold the event after seeing a 99-cent double feature of Can't Stop the Music and Xanadu. And he gave attendees ballots to vote on which was the worst of the films. Wilson stood at a podium made of cardboard and a tacky tuxedo with a foam ball attached to a broomstick as a fake microphone and announced Can't Stop the Music as the first Golden Raspberry winner for Worst Picture. It also took home the award for Worst Original Screenplay. It was nominated, I will say, for a Young Artist Award for Best Family Music Album. And it ended up losing to fame. I want to live forever. All right. So that was Can't Stop the Music. After this upcoming break, we're going to go ahead and talk about what we think about Can't Stop the Music. And do we think the music should have been stopped? Or do you think the music should just keep playing? I'll tell you after the break. This was a thing. This was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. Are you almost ready? I don't want to be late. You know how hard it is to book a table at Peter Luger's on a Saturday? Thank God my grandchild knows someone who knows someone. One more second. I hardly ate anything at Mahjong. I may order the biggest steak on the menu. All right, I'm ready. Pearl, I'm sorry. Is that ensemble made up completely of leather? Well, yes, it is. And metal. Ever since we watched Can't Stop the Music, I can't get that leather man out of my head. So I thought the best thing to do was change it up a little bit. What do you think? I actually feel like I might be three chains too short. You can't wear that to Peter Lugas. There's a dress code. Oh, stop it. I'll take my hat off as soon as we're inside. You're getting me all worked up. I need my cumatin. You think this has to do with just the hat? You know I can't ride a motorcycle with these hips. You think it's the motorcycle and those hips that worry me? What else would it be? It might be the fact, Pearl, that you're wearing all leather and that this chain's where a blouse should be. Oh, see a thing? You want me to throw on a blouse? Is that it? All right. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Get your big hand back. I want to take home some splendors. Thank you. This was a sketch. Okay, so this movie isn't a good movie, but it's not, like, an awful movie. I don't think it deserves to be on the 10 worst. They're having so much fun, like you said, and I appreciate how much fun they're having. Like, for a movie to be filmed in New York that was just campy fun, I love good musical numbers. I love ridiculous ones. I love good costuming. This, the costuming in this fucking movie is amazing. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Can't Stop the Music, had it come out two years earlier when disco was still a thing, do you think it would have been as lambasted as it was in no, 1980? absolutely not. Based on Grease, it's not better than Grease. Grease is actually a pretty good film. Yes, there's moments where it's like, okay, Jesus Christ. But like comparatively, Grease is a better film. It just is such bad timing. Like literally, the end of disco, it happened and it wasn't popular anymore. And it's like, okay, well, what should we do? I have an idea. Okay, well, let's just still release the film. I love this movie. I think this movie is exactly what it wants to be, which is... It's funny. Mm -hmm. Did the village people ever put out any sort of music that was serious? 
No, no, I don't think so. I mean, so. I know a couple of them left and went solo, but I will say it seems like most of them came back. And it seems like they were they knew this is who we are. We have a good time. We don't take ourselves seriously. We're all going to embody this macho stereotype, but we're clearly winking at the queer audience. Oh, yeah. So I don't know why. What, what do people ex- like? What are you expecting? I, I will say what I love about Steve Gutenberg in this film is he's always giving it a hundred and ten percent. Some of my favorite moments is when he's just dancing next to the stage and he's just like. Ha, ha. And also the opening of the film, folks. Oh, I was just. Yeah. Steve Gutenberg in the shortest shorts imaginable roller skating throughout New York City. But the best part, too, is that they have the shots that are obviously B-roll that aren't Steve Gutenberg. Yes. So they get away with this by he's listening to a radio roller skating down the street. And then when it cuts to the other guy, it's like the radio just keeps moving on his, wherever he, wherever his face moves, the radio. They don't want to show it's yeah. not Steve yeah. Gutenberg. Nancy's like, no one's gonna know. They're all crane shot. What the fuck do you think? Oh, shit. Here comes Valerie Perrine. I gotta go. Get the DP in here. No, 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 no. Wait, the cinematographer. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot we're calling at that on this what was the fight that nancy walker and valerie perrine got into that made the, that made the director of the film say i'm not working with you anymore and can you imagine can you imagine alan carr i picture alan carr in a caftan but he's sitting in a jacuzzi in the, in caftan, the caftan and he has a phone next to him and the phone rings and he picks up hello alan this is nancy walker I'm not staying on the picture of Valerie's going to be on it. Ring, ring, ring. Oh, oh, Nancy, hold on. There's another call. Phone picks up. Hello, Alan, it's Valerie. This is not working out either. She goes or I go. And there he is crying into his caftan. It's a Sophie's Choice moment (laughs) for Alan Carr. Do I get rid of Nancy? Do I get rid of Valerie Perrine? I have to say, I think my two favorite standout performances, like for real, would be... Tammy Grimes. Oh, she's this queen thinks she's in like the best movie ever made. And then also Paul Sand, who is one of the original Second City performers. He played the music producer. Paul Sand was a genius yeah, actor. And I, I think he really I mean, there's not a lot of people that for him to work around, but I think he do, I think he's great in this. I really do. Once again, I would just like to reiterate, I don't understand because this movie knew what it was. It knew who its target audience was. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be ridiculous. It's clear all the performers understand that. Oh, yeah. That it's ludicrous. I mean, I don't think someone was like, hey, let's put the guy dressed in all leather to stand on a piano and sing Danny Boy. Like, oh, this is a brilliant cinematic moment. You laugh at how silly it is. Yeah, and could you imagine, like, Aaron Sorkin presents Can't Stop the Music. (laughs) And it's just a lot of dancing and talking scenes. With Allison Janney as Nancy Walker. Okay, I think I'm going to switch out Leatherman for Native American because in the dancing and talking, the feathers are much too distracting. With Joaquin Phoenix as Leatherman. It'd have to be a method actor being Leatherman and Joaquin Phoenix. It's like, I gotta go piss on someone. And Frank Langella as Alan Carr. (laughs) (laughs) He's versatile. He can do anything. And he looks great in a cat dad. Rated R for radical. (laughs) The thing that I think this movie does hold is that since it was the first Razzie winner, it's always going to go down with the Razzies are now such a big part of films. And now when there's a stinker, if you will, the first thing you always hear is, oh, it's a possible Razzie. So if it wasn't for Can't Stop the Music. Yeah. So if it wasn't for the Village People's Can't Stop the Music and Xanadu, Can't Stop the Music came out in June 1980 and Xanadu then came out in August 1980. So that was the summer. So it's really Can't Stop the Music. Yeah. Can't Stop the Music came out first. But yeah, if it wasn't for 
Can't Stop the Music in the Village people, the Razzie Awards possibly maybe wouldn't be around as how they are. So big thanks to people like Jacques Morelli. <laughs> Thank you, Jacques. Big thanks to Nancy Walker. Big thanks to Alan Carr. And also the dudes whose dongs were in the shower scene. Big thanks to the do- the dude dongs. <laughs> the dongs of the dudes. How much you want to bet Alan Carr tried to get those guys into a group? Not a singing group, but some group play. Look at this tiny cowboy hat. I bet I know what hat I can put this on. Have you ever been in a jacuzzi before? Everyone put on your caftans. Let's go in. This film really should be celebrated, though, because... At the time, it wasn't easy to be openly gay in America, and this movie just showed gay culture, the gay lifestyle, and did it while most of America was too naive to even realize it. And never even, I don't think they ever say gay in the movie. No. They have men dancing with women. The, there's, there's nothing, like, gay about the movie except for everything about the movie. <laughs> it's, it's not gay, but it's gay. It's, yeah. I just think... I had such a good time watching this movie. I had a great time revisiting it. So thank you so much for that. I think it's time for a game, don't you? Why, yes, I do. This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a This Was a Quiz. With Mark Schroeder. I love the village people. I'm so They're happy you best. do. They just cheer you up. They their music's great. It's just pumping. Everybody it's universal. Everybody knows it. And it's it's an amazing thing to see. And so in 1978, Macho Man. I think it's their set their first big hit with Macho Man comes out in 1978. Huge, amazing song. We've all heard it. But there's only one real macho man to me. Oh that's the former wrestler, Macho Man oh, Randy, Randy Savage. Savage. Oh yeah. yeah. The star of the Slim Jim commercials from the 90s. Yes. He was uh, Bonesaw in the first Spider-Man oh, that's movie. Right. He was Bonesaw. But we're going to do a little little mix and mash up here. A little game called Macho Macho Man. I have given Robin Ray the lyrics to the 1978 Village People hit Macho Man. And they are going to recite these lyrics as Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay. Okay. So, Ray, would you like to go first? And read maybe that first chunk there, that first, uh, what do music people call it? Stanzas? A verse. Thank you. I'm going to call it Tony Stanza. (laughs) Every man wants to be a macho man. To have the kind of body always in demand. Jogging in the mornings, go man, go. Workouts in the house, muscles grow. You can best believe me, he's a macho man. Glad he took it down with anyone you can. Hey, 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 hey. If you could just see how red Ray's <laughs> You can tell a macho he is a funky look. His western shirts and leather always look so boss. Funky with his body, he's a king. Call him Mr. Ego. Dig his chains. You can best believe that he's a macho man. Likes to be the leader. He never dresses grim. That's great. Yeah, don't ever separate your teeth. Ever. Ever. <laughs> For macho man. I'm, I might try this last one if you don't. I'm oh, Mark's going to try yeah, the let's third do one. It. Okay, let me see. Every man ought to be a macho, macho man. To live a life of freedom, machos make a stand. You don't mind if this microphone just gets soaking wet, do you? (laughs) Have your own lifestyles and ideals. Possess the strength of confidence, that's the skill. You can best believe that he's a macho man. He's the special godson in everybody's land. 
Hey! Hey! Everybody! Hey! 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 hey. hey. Slap into a slim jim. <laughs> and we've all popped blood vessels on our faces. <laughs> I don't know now. if it was Ra- Macho Man, but I think we got the best Charlton Heston, Peter Laurie, and uh... <laughs> oh yes, pretty good Peter Laurie. <laughs> so, folks, uh, thank you for that, Mark. Obviously, because all three of us are playing, you'll need to tell us who you think did the best Macho Man Randy Savage impression. And if you saw Can't Stop the Music or you're a big fan of the Village People, hit us up on our social media. Until then, stay discoing. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut-Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 